Do you love to love? Do you lock eyes with some dreamy guy for five minutes and hear yourself planning whether you should spend Christmas at his or yours? Then this podcast is for you. I'm Carmen Britlin and I'm a neurosemantics coach, yoga, meditation teacher, and I love to love. Ever since I first saw MacGyver build a hang glider out of used satellite parts and a plastic shield, I've been a romantic. And this is my big leap from serial monogamous to feeling fulfilled as a single person. And trust me, you can as well. It starts with shifting focus from them to you. And I will share some methods to help with the process. Consider this a guide to becoming the vibe you want to attract in a partner. And being so damn comfortable being single that when you meet someone, they're not a life raft. They're an added bonus. Are you ready? I'm excited to be in your ear. life of me I can't remember where I read it but most podcasts don't make it to more than seven episodes and I just saw some more stats from Amplify and Pod News as well saying that 44% of podcasts have less than three episodes that's because they've run out of content considering this let's properly celebrate when we hit our 10th episode okay however I'm really grateful for you tuning in so thank you so much now, this is on a much smaller scale, right? But this week I've been feeling like how I imagine an author feels like after releasing their first book and then having to come up with another one. And they sit there waiting for inspiration to fill more pages and reach more people. And inspiration doesn't just come. Inspiration, or the muse as many like to call her, she's just like any other woman. She must be stimulated. So grab a pen and write. Just write, write, write. It doesn't matter what you write. Let it be dumb and clumsy and all over the page with no specific outcome in mind. Because the more you write, the more you'll get in the flow of it. And eventually, the muse will come. And you'll realize that you quite enjoyed the process. Which brings us to today's topic. Journaling and other atomic habits that can create huge change in our daily lives. Welcome to episode two. Now, I was scrolling on TikTok, as you do, and I saw this interview with an addiction expert called Rob Kelly, where he shares these three little things that can start rewiring our neural pathways. So it's essentially reprogramming our brain. And this guy seemed pretty sure of his methods because he was offering $100 to anyone who would claim that these three things don't make a difference to our daily lives. And he said he hasn't had to pay out yet. So of course, I was going to try it. So I added this to my morning routine because it was basic enough to do while I was brushing my teeth in the morning anyway. And I'm on my second week now and I must say that I'm feeling pretty good. So what are these three things, Carmen, I hear you say? Yeah, yeah, calm down. So if you're right-handed, instead of brushing your teeth with your right hand, you brush them with your left. Now this is going to activate your subconscious brain. So you're more receptive to any new information. So then you're going to look yourself straight in the eyes in the mirror and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Say it with passion. Ten times. Now, it might feel funny at first, and it sure did for me as well, because we're not used to saying this to ourselves, which is really quite sad, but true. But it will get easier, and actually it will get quite enjoyable. So now I find myself giggling a little when I 
say this because it actually feels really good. And the third thing is to fully inhale and exhale. So we don't, we often have shallow breath and we don't often get that full lung expansion. So as a yoga meditation teacher, I had to put my own little spin on this. So I do this pranayama practice called breath of joy. Now you can look it up on YouTube to get the exact arm movements that go with it. But essentially it's three short breaths in through the nose and one full exhale out through the mouth. So it's going to sound like this. And this is a great way to re-energize the body, especially when we wake up or, you know, in the afternoon when we feel a bit sluggish and tired. So, you know, instead of rolling out the booze cart at 4 p.m. like they do so many places, I'm thinking Sydney, Australia, especially. Now, these are small enough habits to implement on a daily basis. So they're called Atomic Habits, but they can have great impact. There's a book by James Clear called Atomic Habits that you can have a little look-see at. I've, um, I've, I'm dipping in and out of the book, so I don't really have the capacity to read all of it at the moment, but it's, it is quite a useful read. Because we all know what happens when we try and join the gym and cut out carbs and give up alcohol and caffeine in the same breath. It's just too much. So changes need to be small enough that they seem feasible. So baby steps, everyone. Journaling is another small enough habit that you can easily add into your daily routine. Now, I haven't held a pen since I don't know when. So I mean, who even uses a pen anymore, right? I used to have pretty nice handwriting, but now it looks like something a kid wrote. So I don't journal sometimes, but not much. I tend to type on my laptop. But I'm really glad that I do, because I recently read something that I typed out in December 2022, so almost a year ago. And the backstory to this is that I'd packed my whole life into my car and driven from Ireland back to the UK after a breakup. And reading it just reminded me that all pain is temporary. So I'm going to read a few sentences that I wrote then. Not to put a damper on things, guys, but just to put things in perspective. So here we go. It lasted three years this time, but for the first time since I was 19, the choice to separate wasn't mine, which awakened major abandonment issues within. So when a Christmas in Norway with family was presented, like cool yogurt on a sunburn, I booked a stay that was about 11 days too long. And now that the festivities are over, I'm sat here, feeling hypervigilant about being in somebody else's space whilst wanting to withdraw from the world. A world that's currently at sub-zero temperatures, slippery as a soapy mirror, and dark from 3pm to 10am. There is very little temptation to boot up and go for my daily walks, which are considered part of my therapy. At times, I don't feel good enough about my current life situation to go home for Christmas. It's the same pattern in me that doesn't want to go to parties unless I'm up. Prying eyes and questions about where you are, at and how you're doing the ugly truth that wants to bust out of my mouth, breaking through the cracked facade of stiff smiles and withheld tears. I am not okay. Now, wow, I remember being so sad that I didn't want to be around people, and it was Christmas, and although I was with family, the need for me to isolate was just enormous. I didn't want to be seen like that, and I didn't want to feel like that. I do have a tendency to put so much pressure on myself to be the sunshine and to be upbeat and positive and inspiring and happy. 
And I think maybe this has got to do something with me being the youngest in the family. And maybe some of you can relate here that if you don't feel your best, you'd rather retreat and be alone. It's like I created this persona that had all the shit together and I so wasn't her last Christmas, so I didn't really want to be seen. But the beauty with writing is that it serves as a reminder of how we felt then and that it isn't permanent. Everything shifts and even if it felt like it was going to last forever and there was no end in sight, this too shall pass, as some wise guy says. You know, the important thing is though that when you feel down and you just want to withdraw from the world, what actually helps is being surrounded by people you trust who love you and accept you no matter what state you're in. So please reach out to someone if you feel like this and even if it hurts and it's fucking awful and you don't think anyone cares, people do care as it turns out. So what other tiny habits can we add to our daily lives to become the single best versions of ourselves? Now this is going to entirely depend on what you enjoy doing, but as we've all heard a million times over, exercise is a major contributor for feeling good. Because when we exercise, endorphins are released into the bloodstream, and this in turn can lead to a euphoric state. Now who doesn't want to experience a bit of euphoria on a daily basis? I certainly do. And apart from muscle soreness, it doesn't come with hangovers and downers that follow other highs that we might opt for when feeling sad and lonely. But the exercise needs to be enjoyable. So if the gym isn't your thing, but you love walking in nature or boxing, golfing, dancing, do that instead. We're so much more likely to stick with habits that don't make us feel miserable while we're doing them. So for me, the gym started as a refuge from loneliness. You know, after a breakup, there's always that adjustment period to living alone. And sometimes the void has just felt so vast that I've needed to remove myself from it. So we used to be going for a drink, or 12, has been replaced with the gym. So I love it. I mean, there's people there, but I don't need to socialize with anyone. So I can just be my introverted self, surrounded by people, listen to music and do my own thing. Followed by a guaranteed endorphin hit. So it's a non-negotiable for me now. It's the number one thing I do for my mental health. It's a great way to get out of my head and into my body. And being fit is the cherry on top. And hey, if you're going to become the vibe you want to attract in a partner, and we want a partner who looks after their physical and mental well-being, what better way to bump into them than when we're out there doing what we enjoy, oozing those feel-good chemicals like heightened pheromones to draw in a perfect match sounding like an M&S ad for cheese so to recap small habits that can have powerful impact in our daily lives one brushing our teeth with the opposite hand to what we're used to, saying I love you 10 times in the mirror and consciously taking in full breaths of air as often as we can throughout the day. Number two, journaling about anything and everything. Essentially, it doesn't matter. Just get those thoughts and worries out of your head and onto paper or word doc. Three, exercising in any form that's enjoyable to you. 
So if you have any other small habits that you've implemented that work really well for you, please do share. I'm always happy to hear about what lights you up and makes life feel that little bit extra. Before we continue here, um, I just want to say that if you hear any fireworks in the background, it's because, you know, Guy Fawkes, he tends to ruin everything. But uh, you guessed it. We're at the end section where we lighten things up with things that happen on the dating app before I deleted it and decided to be monogamous with myself for a bit. But I'm going to save reading more prompt answers until I have someone visiting me here on the pod because I think that it would create some funny banter. Instead, I'm going to share a couple of dating experiences that I've added to my hesitance to go on any more dates for the time being. So, there was this one guy. Let's call him Fabio. Now, he made sure to memorize my prompt answers of the app so that we would have conversation fillers for our date, which was a smart move indeed. One of my prompt answers was that my love language was physical touch. And let's just say that he couldn't wait to get his hands on me and I just felt myself tensing up wanting to leave almost immediately. Like, give me a minute to warm up to you first. And if I don't like the way you smell, for example, I don't want you to touch me. And this has got nothing to do with personal hygiene, by the way. You can smell good and clean in general, but this is purely primal. It's actually a topic that fascinates me. And this is from an article in Well and Good on this subject. Females tend to gravitate towards males with a different HLA genetic code from their own, as signaled by certain smelly cues. The reason why? The HLA is a component of the immune system, and procreating with someone who has a different HLA from yours means that your child will get an immune system that's better able to cope with a wider variety of pathogens. It's also true that a person with a different HLA from yours is unlikely to be your kin, and it's always a good thing for a potential future kid's genetics to have two parents who aren't, well, related. So how cool is that? It's fully instinctual. And I've definitely liked the smell of my previous long-term partners. So even if I find someone handsome and charming, if I don't like the way they smell, I don't want to be intimate. And this can't be masked by cologne, by the way. I recall this one guy who wore so much cologne that I would smell it on my scarf after we hugged. And all of the cologne's really nice because his underlying scent just wasn't right for me. I had to remove the scarf as soon as I got in the car. It was just too overbearing. Now this almost sounds like getting the eek, right? Which is a subject I will dedicate a full episode to as it's such a hot topic right now and equally fascinating. So send me your eek stories, please. I can't wait to read them. But back to Mr. Touchy-Feely guy, Fabio. So I cut the date short and I texted him almost as soon as I came home saying that I didn't feel what's required to pursue the connection. I know, cutthroat. But I'm not one to ghost people and I'm not here to waste anyone's time either. He responded well, wishing me all the best. So you can imagine how baffling it was when he texted me again a few days after asking if I wanted to get together for a tantric playdate. The fuck? So, Fabio is now blocked. Can I just say, because it's not just Fabio, agreeing to a date is not an open invite to touch someone. Like, read the room. Of course everyone's going to be different in this regard, but I think as general dating etiquette, 
Let the one it seems less forthcoming initiate the first touch. I know it's a fine line, but you know, as I personally don't mind someone putting their hand on the small of my back when we cross the road, for example, that makes me feel really safe. But if you try and hold my hand, I might find this way too intimate and I will either tell you that it's too soon or pull away. And yeah, it can be super awkward to state a boundary and tell someone not to touch. I've definitely suffered in silence on dates before because I haven't felt balls enough to say back off and instead come up with an excuse to leave. And this often comes down to our natural flight or fight response. Mine's definitely more flight than fight. So it's a lot easier for me to withdraw than to verbally shut someone down. That's not right or wrong, but it can be useful to to know yourself and know your ways. And if you want to work on your verbal communication, dating can be especially good for this. Now I know this was supposed to be lighthearted. So let's get back to first date faux pas. So another date, he, um, he took me for a nice lunch and it seemed promising. I started to warm up to him and I guess my guard was down and you know, I, I must add here that I do have a potty mouth and I have an, I'm open-minded and I have maybe a dirty sense of humor, but you know, still, again, not an invite. But uh, yeah, not long after lunch, he asked me if I like it up the butt. And please let me know if I'm being a prude here, but isn't this a conversation to be had a little bit down the line, like maybe day two or three, maybe after seeing how you live? not just how you eat lunch and I must admit that me updating my dating profile was actually a result of frustration with this sort of behavior like did I seem too frivolous was I not long-term wifey material could they not wait five minutes to get into my knickers asking me if I like anal (laughs) when I told my friend Paul about the anal guy yeah that's what we call him now. He said he must be doing something wrong because no one's, <laughs> no one's ever asked him that on a date. Perhaps you need to update your dating profile, Paul. Sounds like we could learn from each other here. Once again, thank you so much for being here and letting me share a bit of my story and post-breakup toolkit. I really hope you find some of it useful or at least relatable. Please leave a five-star review if you haven't already, as this will help me provide future content. Wow. Can you hear that? I guess we're going out with a bang here. Thanks, Guy Fawkes. Yes. What was I saying? (laughs) Please leave a five-star review if you haven't already, as this will help me provide future content and get past those crucial first episodes to prevent being another podcast statistic. Until next time, guys, lots of self-love.